Welcome back to the Raised Hunting Podcast. Before I introduce what's going on today, Warren is going to give me some of the uh, people that we need to shout out to. You guys have been doing your due diligence. Spotify has been sending reviews. Spotify is just killing it. They're killing it. They're on their way to 200 now. Awesome, man. You guys are doing fantastic. Um, And I, I honestly, unfortunately, I can't remember the last time we did a podcast because we've been, we banked a couple. And we've been traveling, so I'm just going to... We weren't supposed to tell them that. We are supposed to tell them that it's live. People know that. They've okay. been seeing me out here vacationing. <laughs> All right. uh, it so, is live. I'm alive. That's yeah, right. There you it's me live too. right exactly. now. It's always live when we record it. So let's give a little love to Josh Benner. He says, great stuff. Uh, T-Dave, one, two, three, four, four, five, six, seven, seven, which we should see if our guest, he was just telling us about his special trick, his special party trick, maybe when... We're done with the podcast. He can do that one backwards. <laughs> so, we'll see. Uh, Just in- Hell's yeah, boy. Gave us five stars. And Cody McClintick says, love the show. He says, I use Spotify, but I put the review on here. So keep up the good work. Love the podcast. Topic I think I would be curious to talk about is, do you guys think that gutting a deer in your hunting area ruins the area? If so, how long would you give it to hunt the same area? Gotcha. But we have the a topic, I think. We have a topic. Today, I so. think we're good to can go. Can I answer that? Keep giving you us some reviews. Yeah, give it, yes, let me, let me make an introduction for you first so that we don't <laughs> Dang it. have just some random dude over there in the corner speaking out loud. You he's know? only so, a little bit of a rando right now. Yeah, he's not random at all. So we're back with you guys here with the Raised Hunting Podcast. And unlike other evenings or other days when we do, we take what you guys ask for, and those are the podcasts we do, this time we're, we're kind of, taking their liberties on our own a little bit so and yes i have a special guest i still have warren and easton both are still here but tonight they're not the special guest what you're not special guests anymore you've been (laughs) backseated we got ike i don't know that you want to be the special guest because it means a little different special usually on our (laughs) podcast (laughs) i'm okay with that (laughs) you fit the part pretty well (laughs) No, I want to welcome Ike Eastman because uh, this is a big deal. I mean, it, for those of you that aren't familiar with Eastman's, Eastman's Hunting Journal, and uh, I, and I want to dive into some more because Eastman's into all kinds of stuff. And so we got lots of questions for you. Um, we'll try to get what, through what we can. I don't want to okay. make this too long. So welcome, man. I, yeah. I sure appreciate you. Uh, not only, um, and we'll talk a little bit about what we're doing, that we're not just here to do a podcast, but we're going to do some fishing together. Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Uh, thank you guys for having us on. This is, uh, it, I, I get to come on some podcasts, but nothing, you know, of your guys' caliber and, and this far, uh, I guess the audience is unique. Your guys' audience is unique, and it's a lot more different than mine, so this will be fun. Hopefully people don't go halfway through this and go, that was boring. Click next. I, I, if it's anything like what we talked about at dinner. If it's like dinner, we're If good. it's like dinner, <laughs> we're hooked for, I mean, we'll get into the grizzly stories later, right? No, but I think we should start with, like, some of the beginning stuff. And, yeah. and for, I, I, there's no one out there, I don't believe, that has not heard. If you're a hunter, you've heard of Eastman's Hunting Journal. I hope I so. Mean, that was our goal. Yeah, well, you, well I, you guys I, have branded that one very well. Yeah, but but let me back up, and because I'm going to talk a little bit farther, like older, because okay. I remember when Eastman's was, and, and the best way that I can put it is, and these guys won't even know, Mutual of Omaha and and shows like that were coming yeah. on, yeah. and Eastman's Hunting Journal at the time wasn't Hunting Journal, I don't believe, was nope. it? It was just Eastman's. Yep, it was my grandpa Gordon Eastman, and it was Eastman Outdoors. There you what go. It was called. Yep. Okay. So 1957. 
Uh, I'll, I'll just you want me to yeah, just yeah, jump in yeah, the, absolutely. the elevator. Yeah. So nineteen fifty seven, my grandfather was watching uh, a live narration of footage. Uh, I think the guy went to Alaska or Canada. And he lived in Omak, Washington at the time. And he was a jeweler. My grandfather was, a, he did a bunch of stuff. He was a, uh, he was a jeweler. He was, went to, to, uh, um, <laughs> he went to the Navy. He was a gunsmith, all kinds of stuff. But he was watching this live narration. This guy went to Alaska and he turned to his two buddies and said, I can do that. And they're like, Gordon, you can't do that. He goes, no, we're going to do this. He went around town and sold wagon wheels because at that time there was wagon wheels everywhere. It was in the 50s. There's wagon wheels everywhere, and people were putting them in gardens and at their gates and all that stuff. And so he sold enough wagon wheels to buy a camera. Went to Alaska, started guiding, and then filming wildlife as he was guiding. And bring them back to the U.S., lower 48, and he would live narrate these. Is this like on VHS tapes? Oh, you saw his no, motion no, no, no. there. No, no, no. it's. It, you remember, you ever watch like the old, old movies and there's two reels? Yes. And yes. it runs it through a light? It's like Red Dead Redemption for me when I'm playing video games. That's the <laughs> photographer that comes in and he's got one of those things, you know? This that's, this, this was a reel. This is, he probably it, has no idea what Red Dead Redemption is. I don't is. I have a clue. What I don't it's either, a Western so. video game. You ride a horse and shoot people, basically. But What's a video game? It's like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Oh, but, yeah, he's from Wyoming. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. I call that Saturday night. Well, we, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and his is live. <laughs> it's real. Yeah, I don't have a video. <laughs> we should see, see what his, his ethics like... score is. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not good. His bounty's the probably same as mine. <laughs> no, so, but, so he would he'd go, he'd live narrate these films, and you know people people then never seen a polar bear. They never saw what a caribou looks like, or a doll sheep, or you know any of that stuff. Grizzly bear, none of that. And so they he would live narrate these stories, and he would pack. Well, it started as it, you know, it started in little tiny rooms, and then it went to uh, high school auditoriums, and then it went to big stadiums, and I mean, hundreds and up to thousands of people would come and watch these live narrations. So that was in the 50s. And then in the 60s, he got uh, noticed by the Canadian government. Canada, northern Canada, was not, it was untouched by, by white people, really. Coastal, and there was a lot of natives. Canada said, I, I think we should take the Northwest Territories and the Yukon and see if somebody can hunt it. See if there's a viable market to hunting. There was one outfitter that is, had, had agreed to be an outfitter if he could prove, if the Canadian government could prove that it would it's a viable Work. business. Right. So they asked my grandfather, hey, you want to go up there and film, um, you know, for the whole summer, 90 days, go up there and film and see what wildlife is there and, and the abundance of it and bring it back and so that we have proof that this is going to be a viable thing. So we went to the Northwest Territories, him and the two buddies that were sitting in the crowd with him, Danny Gibbers and uh, Eddie, Ed Parasol. So the government didn't know that they're... If Not really. They okay. didn't, they didn't, so they, they needed his experience. Like, is this is this a viable thing? Will people pay for this like right. they do in Alaska? Like, they're paying in Alaska big money. At the time, there's a lot of money to go on these adventures. So these three yum-yums go up there in the Northwest Territories, and they spend 90 days. And they hunt as many, whatever they shoot, whatever they want. There's no tags or anything. They, I think they all killed, like, four dull sheep. This they killed a grizzly bear. All kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, my gosh. So Film they were allowed stuff. to shoot stuff too, not just. Oh yeah, that, that's how they that's how right. they live for ninety days. You're not yeah. gonna pack that on your back. Yeah, that's true. So they film for ninety days and they bring it back, and he builds this movie called "Challenging the Northwest Territories." Uh, remember that because later on in the story, that's gonna make better sense. So the Canadian guns are like, "Oh, cool, we're gonna start outfitting it." So they went in, they they chunked the Northwest Territories up 
and the Yukon and Northern British Sea into five hunting areas. Can you imagine that landmass into five areas? You would never, you, those guys, some of those guys never saw their whole area. Never yeah. in their entire yeah, life. They couldn't get to it. No, though. died before they saw all their area. So they started hunting that. Well, then he, my grandfather caught, because of that film, um, which then he, he worked through and made it a theatrical. And Easton, um, theatricals are where you go into a movie theater. This, this building has a big screen. Flipping rookie. Are you kidding me? You want to answer that? No. Well, yeah, no kidding. It's the people. I can wait. It's good. It's all right. <laughs> Let me so answer it. The only reason it's ringing is because my computer hooked up to my computer. Okay, as you were. I can't remember <laughs> what I was talking about. Oh, so theatrical. So he, he convinced uh, uh, there was distribution companies then that they would take this film and they'd put it in the movie theater and they'd watch this challenging Northwest Territories. And there's this epic uh, film at the end of it. It's how it closes. These three guys film the end of a rainbow and they're standing up on the Plains of Abraham and they walk into the end of the rainbow. So it looks like they're standing at the end of the rainbow. And he has this epic line about, you know, this is where the God's country, this is at the end of the rainbow. We have found the pot of gold. It's not a pot of gold. It's an epic place. So they put this in theatrical. That then caught the eye of Walt Disney. Walt Disney was building uh, wildlife. What are the chances of that? Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. He was building wildlife films, and they had one um, about horses. They had one about a white buffalo. Well, they, he calls my grandfather up, says, hey, I need some footage of a buffalo charging. And then in post, we're going to make that buffalo white. So okay. So you need a buffalo charging. Of course, my grandfather at the time lived in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, they right next to the do Teton. this even back then? Oh, yeah. Wow. I didn't so, think they'd be editing footage back then. Well, so you know how they Careful. do it. Do you, ever, do you know what B-roll is? Do you, do you know what B-roll is? B-roll is there's two rolls of film. There's yeah. an A-roll, which is your name, and then B-roll, and they would splice the A-roll, slide in the B-roll, cut it, tape it, and that would be your B-roll. So it would be so that's where the turn your face and then a white you didn't buffalo. Know where that came I from either. No, I'm not saying Freaking I did. turns around like he's some hot dude. <laughs> Freaking, I don't know where. Well, yeah, whatever. Hopefully the guys behind the camera know what the B-roll is. Not about. a chance he knows what it was. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> so anyway, so they, so my grandfather goes out to Teton National Park and gets Buffalo to charge him while he's <laughs> filming, you know, charge, charge, charge. Okay, jump. And jump behind the truck, and, and he would do this. And then they had this thing called Teton Marsh, and so it was a film about Teton National Park, which it wasn't. Teton National Park wasn't very old then. In the 50s, it was only like 30 years or 20 years old. So it wasn't very old. And so they did a film on Teton National Park, and my dad remembers when he was a kid, when they were filming this, they couldn't get a beaver to do what he, you know, he's not an actor. So they, so my dad spent like three weeks in this pond and he would take the beaver down and then he would let the beaver go and the beaver come up and he wouldn't slap his tail. So he'd have to take him back down. <laughs> and we did this over and over and over trying to get this beaver to for pop up weeks. and smack his tail on the water. Right. Just all for Walt Disney. So then it, it that parlayed into my grandfather making other films and he, um, my oh, grandfather was two a, questions real quick. Though. Okay, so one, how did he, is this a live beaver? Oh yeah, live beaver. That, so how's he just keeping hold of this beaver? To, well, it's not wild. I mean, they, they raised him somewhere. 
but they couldn't so get him to slap. Beaver so that that one was a pet beaver. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There was a guy. There was a guy in Idle. My dad tells this story. It's funny. The guy. This guy in Idle Falls. He would just have random stuff like a beaver. He had a bobcat. He had a mountain lion as pets, and just kind of raised them. And he could get them to do stuff. Apparently, not slap the water, but yeah. he could get them to do stuff. <laughs> anyway, so. My grandfather started making other films. He he was an adventurist and, and 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 loved the adventure and always liked asking a question like, okay, what's the apex predator in, in Canada? So grizzly or a wolf? Well, let's let's figure out what wolves are all about. And so he went to northern BC and captured uh, four puppies, four wolf pups. Um, the first time he captured them, or the, captured the first generation had their eyes open which was a bit of a mess uh they they knew better they knew he wasn't theirs and so he got in a couple sticky wickets and he bring these wolves down into wyoming and put them in a a, a huge enclosure and studied them and then those pups he found some more bring them in and then he had ended up having three generations but he filmed this whole thing it's like a documentary and then he filmed um a couple fiction films of like the wolves got out and they caused havoc running around, you know, Jackson hole eating people's dogs and stuff. And anyway, and then they, then he filmed some stuff in uh, British Columbia where the wolves, he had these two trained, really good trained wolves that he could get to do things. And it was all about wolf hunting and predator hunting and all that stuff. That was called Savage Wild, which you can actually watch that I think on Amazon prime that we don't own the rights to that. It got sold to, I think Orion or somebody. So then the last one, which was um, uh, Call of the Wild, they he released the wolves back into to the wild in British Columbia. Lived with them for sixty days to make sure that they would could survive. And it's one of those things where they hung out for the first thirty days and wouldn't leave. And he was like, "Gosh, I hope they're going to leave and they can survive." Anyway, so did that. Then, then he's like, "You know I what? Take it? Huh? Did they live? Yeah. Was he a hunter too?" Oh yeah, oh yeah. So my grandfather. Well, I know you said it first, but yeah, I know no, he was a huge hunter. Are. So he he uh, he also filmed some stuff. Uh, some of our oldest footage we have is him and my dad rowing across the Snake River, which is in Jackson. So the Snake River goes through this huge canyon, and they went. They would row across this thing when it was thirty below zero, and it's just the river's flowing, but it's just a slush. Oh, yeah. Right. And so they're in rubber ro- rubber boats, and they would they rode across the river and then hike up in the snow, and they'd shoot deer and then bring them back down and row back across the river, which doesn't sound real dangerous until you start thinking about it. There, it's 30 below zero. You get wet, you're dead. It's 30 below zero. The ice on the edge of the rivers is like a knife. You're in a rubber raft. You touch that wrong, you're getting in the water. Not to mention you're in waist-deep snow, hiking around, shooting deer. I mean, it's just... Things that they were doing were crazy. So he hunted the whole, this, all of this time. Um, and then he filmed a film uh, on what the, there was a lake in British Columbia that he built a cabin on. And him and my um, grandmother my, and my two uncles and my aunt lived on this lake for two summers and they filmed this, this film. My dad was in Vietnam at that time, is why he wasn't there. So then <laughs> back. So he was building these theatricals, then kind of got bored of that and became a race car driver and a bunch of other stuff in the 70s. Well, in the 80s, my my uncle, 
my dad's youngest brother goes to my dad or my grandfather said we should take those theatricals and put them on VHS and sell them in movie in uh, video stores. So Easton a video store. <laughs> Why like, do you keep talking to me about this? Because <laughs> you're you the one asking questions. Because like, you didn't know what a film hey, was. I grew up going to Blockbusters. <laughs> okay, if that counts for so anything. before Blockbusters, yep. every little town had a video store, and you would walk in there and you'd rent a video, just like Blockbuster. And they'd have, you know, they'd have the posters up, and it was a big thing. So they decided to put these these theatricals on videos and then sell them. And my this is where my dad comes in. My dad was uh, went to Vietnam, and then he was an outfitter during the seventies. And then in the 80s, um, they came up with this cockamamie idea to sell all these VHS all over the country. So he's been, my dad's been in every small town on the, on the East Coast and the West Coast selling these videos, these little video stores. So he would do shows um, just like, you know, the, the Hunt Expo or Safari Club show now, but they were everywhere, tons of them. In fact, there's still a show in Harrisburg right now. It's the largest outdoor show, mm-hmm. right? Well, in the 80s, my dad was sitting at this booth trying to peddle these videos, and these Pennsylvania guys kept coming up asking questions about hunting out west. How do you hunt out west? Are you going to hunt out west? And they all thought, oh, it's all private land. How do you do that? Oh, no, the whole west, you know, half of it's public oh. land. It's your land. You can hunt on it. And he, out of necessity, because he got tired of answering the same question, he just built a like a frequent ask questions pamphlet about hunting out west, so that those guy he could hand it, and that guy'd get out of the way and he could sell a video. It's all necessity. Well, that pamphlet turned into a newsletter, which then turned into a magazine, and which turned into our flagship magazine, the Eastman's Hunting Journal. Holy cow! Yeah, it starts with the, a pamphlet. It started I, with a pamphlet. The, the whole the thing that's so cool about this is the fact that. I probably met your dad because oh, I, atten- I attended Harris. I, I grew up in Virginia. Oh yeah. So I would go to Harrisburg in the eighties, the video stores that he's referring to. I was the guy buying the videos cause you'd rent them for five bucks. Yeah. And then if you were really smart and you found some kid like that was Easton's age at the time that could pirate them for you, <laughs> you would rent it one yeah, time, yeah. have him make you a copy. As long as you, as long as you rewound it, be kind and rewind. Yeah. But, but the <laughs> other, but, and because now does he was he selling any because those videos back then I have some of the original ones that I had they were fifty bucks oh yeah and He's, we were paying good they were Lord. selling which was fifty bucks worth back then well a truck was three thousand so do yeah. the math dang yeah and, I mean like it was because that was where you got the source yeah there was, was no the, ESPN there wasn't CMT yeah, outdoor channel all, all that channel, stuff didn't exist. didn't exist so when you found a video it was like this is the coolest freaking thing ever yeah. yeah and and you'd and you'd watch it until it wore out you you would break them yeah i Absolutely. did that i did that with the primos videos wore, yeah. watch them until they wore out yeah just and then you open them up it. and see if you could tape them together yeah, see if you could fix it yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway it's right. crazy how it changes by generations though because then when I was a kid, it was Outdoor Channel. Yep. And, and I hated every night but Thursday because Thursday was the bow hunting only nights. Yep. And I didn't care about anything else. I, I did. I remember watching Eastman's and stuff, but you guys killed a lot of stuff with guns. So every other week. You didn't know this, but every other week was a gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I did know back then because I was like, dang it, gun change. You know, and so I go back from sportsman's to, to outdoor hoping to try to find one that was bow hunting. And then if it was fishing, I was just. Grumpy that day. They're like Wednesday's fishing night. The yeah. week's ruined. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, so then, so that was the 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 EH, or Eastman's Hunting Journal. We call it EHJ. 
Then in 99, he started uh, the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal because there was a, guy, a lot of guys just like you, Warren, that just wanted bow hunting. I just want bow hunting content. Hunting, the rifle stuff's fine, but I want to figure out how to bow hunt really good. So then he started that. And then he started the outdoor cha- on the Outdoor Channel. Here's a f- really funny story. He was telling this on my podcast, uh, Eastman's Hunting Journal podcast. He was telling this the other day. So yeah, I walked, I called the, I called the uh, head of the program for the Outdoor Channel. And said, uh, I'd like to put a TV show on there. How that work? Well, and, he, and the guy's name was, um, oh, I'll think of it. Uh, I don't, I can help with, but I don't know how long. It was a long, long time ago. It was like yeah, 2000. And it won't have been Jeff Wayne. No, it was before, before Jeff Wayne. Before Jeff Wayne. Yeah. John I'll, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's little brother. Uh, I'll think of it. Anyway, he walks into his eye, or calls him. He's seen him at SHOT Show, and then the guy goes, I'll tell you what, when you have 13 in the can, uh, I'll, you know, I'll watch the preview and with a side dad goes, I got more than 13. I have 26. You have, you have 26 only big game, Western big game TV shows. He goes, yeah. He goes, and I'll have probably another 13 by the end of the season. Well, let me see one. He looks and goes, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable production. Dad goes, you don't know who my dad is. This, this is, we've been doing this for a long time. So he puts the, puts it on the outdoor channel and, um, we were on the Thursday nights. We started on Saturday and then went to Sunday. And then, you know, those nights would move around right. for, through, the, through the time. So they started the Outdoor Channel. And then in 2008, uh, he comes to me and says, I'm, I'm done. I am 60, I think he was 67 years old, something like that. And he goes, I'm, 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 I'm done with this. Uh, I'm going to f- try and figure out what to do with it. I don't know what to do with it. And, of course, I'm going, I just, I quit my banking job and you're, you're going to sell it. I'm going to be out of a job. I know how this works. And so I put together a plan to buy it from him because, you know, there's, as you, as you guys probably know, this is high profile, low pay job. Okay. This is, <laughs> we're not really? flying around in corporate jets, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <Man. laughs> so, so my dad's like, I need to, I need money out of this so I can, <laughs> so I can retire. Right. And uh, so I put together a plan and, and bought Typical, it. Typical leaves it to the sons to have to pay their retirement. Yeah. yeah crap. That, that's how it works. Yeah. If I only had sons, damn it. <laughs> um, so I, I I bought it from in, in 2008, and uh, my wife and I are, are sole owners of it now, and it's it's been a, a, a quite a ride. In 2010, oh, one last step. Yeah, he, I always hate honking my own horn. The, the guy standing over there would be mad if I didn't do this. 2010, I started the digital side of our world, and, and one of the things that we started with was uh, YouTube, you know, just building content for YouTube. And now we have pot. We have six podcasts that we do, just like this. Not just like this, but six podcasts for right. all kind of red thread hunting type stuff. Predators, wingmen, um, you know, just big game hunting. We have uh, two series on YouTube that are not on linear TV. They're just on YouTube and everything else. And so I I call that the digital apartment. I started it in 2010, and it's half of our revenue now. It's a lot of wow. fun. It's a lot of fun. Good for you. Yeah. So. Um, one last story that has connects all this together. Um, there was, we had a sponsor at one time that were doing, they were doing these, uh, videos on YouTube and they were just going viral, right? Just, and they're just about interesting people and epic adventures came to us and said, listen, uh, we saw you guys, we did this, we did this, uh, TV show called Eastman family history. And what we did, my dad did this. He, uh, filmed cause my grandfather died in 1996, but he, my dad, in like 06 or 07 filmed, went back to these two friends of his that went to the Northwest Territories and he sat down with them and interviewed them. Like, what was it like 
you know, tell me stuff. And one of the guys, Danny Apples, his name is Danny Gibbers. He invented the way, the only reason that we were able to eat an apple any day of the week, any time of the year is because of him. He invented the process to keep apples fresh. And they were called Danny Apples. So Danny Gibbers, is a, he is a storytelling machine, okay? So my dad interviews him, and we put this thing together, and we took some of the old footage and used B-roll inside of his story. Not the A? No. Okay. The A was him. Okay, You know, talking heads like what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> he was telling this story, and anyway, this we put this on YouTube, and the sponsor of ours came to us and said, we want to... Uh, we want to film an epic adventure just like that and go back. Can we go back to the Northwest territories and kind of trace the footsteps? Huh? Probably, maybe, I don't know. We're at sheep show. When this happens, I go, I'll, I'll reach out to something. There's only like 10 guys or 10 outfitters there now. I'll, I'll see. So it just happens. Canal outfitters had changed hands and she had a couple spots open. Glenda had a couple spots open. And so we went up there and what we didn't know until we landed there, my brother and I go with the film crew and they're going to make a film and then we're going to make a film. So it's going to be, you know, our perspective, a lot about hunting, their perspective about the story, right? They're not less, you know, they, they're not going to show something die and they're not going to show the blood guts. And uh, so we land in at Canal Lake and get off the plane and we're taking our stuff and we walk around the camp and the cook shack has this plaque above the door and it says Cougar Long 1961. If you rewind to challenging the Northwest Territories, part of that story is my grandfather's helping this guy build a cabin in the film. <laughs> and you're That's at the, the cabin. Freaking... Yeah. That is Cougar Long building the cabin in 1961. Wow. And the story is my grandfather saw this sheep from the cabin up on this mountain and he walks up there, walks the sheep down and shoots him. My brother, five days later, not not on purpose, just that's where it happened because sheep end up in the same spot over and over again. We walk up there and shoot a sheep. That's wild. On the exact same mountain within 50, 100 yards of where my grandfather shot his. Wow. That All happenstance. Cool. That, that is, is freaking crazy. Cool. How are you able to determine those within 50 to 100 yards? So we have the footage. Oh, okay. So you're able to look <laughs> a, at it. A peak is a peak. Doesn't change yeah. that much. And then on top of that peak, because they've been hunting this thing for 50 years, um, they had built a rock, you know, guys walking stack rocks, right. right? When they're bored glassing for sheep and there's a rock thing like this tall. And on the bottom of it is my grandfather shot a 300 weather or a 257 weatherby that's what no way that shell is the shell is sitting there and it's stuck in the ground with a rock around it and his initials are in the rock wow that's crazy that's so freaking cool cool. yep i I mean how many years later total was that 50 50 50 years how how i I just gotta ask you i mean because so basically you're third generation third generation and when you when you piece all that together how does that feel? I mean, to to I mean, I, I guess what it's not like you guys created hunting, but you created you brought hunting to a lot of people, uh, and a lot of people may not understand, especially East Coast people. Everyone thinks of Eastmans as West, yeah. But you guys have been the gateway to the West, yeah. And I, I mean, it's so there's <laughs> I don't the take North. it. Yeah, I don't, I don't take it lightly. Um, third generation, of course, this is, you know, every generation, you're like, God, I hope I don't lose this thing, and I hope I do, don't do something stupid. 
So we, we live by a couple things. Number one, we're very, very, uh, integrity is really, really high in our family. Business ethics, very, very high. Hunting ethics, very, very high. Nobody that works for me or that works for me um, has a game violation. You can't do it. Sorry. You, this, is, this is three generations. I'm, I'm not willing to, right, to risk that. that chance. I have had a guy got a game violation. I wouldn't say he was being stupid, but he obviously got a game violation. Had to let him go. Sorry. You just can't do that. Because... Because we act that way and because we, we, we run our world, not just my personal life, not just my business life, but not, and, and my hunting life, we run it that way. It's, it's given us the opportunity to have three generations because nobody's done anything dumb. You got to preserve yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. You got to keep doing it that way. Yep. Let me ask you another question that is a little bit more different than that then. Um, so I think, you know, from the West standpoint, there's a huge stigma and maybe it wasn't this way in the beginning of Eastman's, you know, of not letting guys from the East know about the West, much less helping them. Right. Right. <laughs> figure out yep. better spots to go and hunt. What, at what point was it that you guys went and did that? Did you get a lot of flack from guys oh, yeah. out West oh, for yeah. doing that? And do you continue to get, see that? Yeah. So it, it, when it, when it first started, it was really bad. You guys are like, you're telling all of our hunting stories, or hunting areas, because we'll, in the back of our magazines, we have what's called the MRS, and it's not for the ladies. It's not the Mrs. section. It's the members <laughs> research section. And what that is is it's helping guys walk through, because our, our draws and our tags out west are very complicated, very, very complicated yep. to figure out where I'm going to put put in, how am I going to draw, what's what's the point system, and every state's different. So it's not like you learn one, you learn them all. You, every state's different. So we got a lot of flack for a long a long time about, you're telling everybody where to come out here and go hunting, and I, I you know, I come to the trailhead, and all there is is, is XYZ state license plates. And then you explain it. Uh, no, those non-resident tags are different than your pool. So you're not competing for tags. And they've given those tags away forever. It, it, I'm not doing anything different than what was happening before. All I'm doing is allowing them to have better, better and a better experience, better educated, and they're keeping them from doing something dumb. Absolutely. And we're teaching them how to be better hunters. So when you're up there hunting with them, they're not, you know, driving a basin of deer out or or over calling elk and you know learning you know educating making educating these bulls well you've heard me say that i mean and and you bring up a i didn't deal i was working for primos yeah and i'm going and i'm doing seminars and people were same thing i'm starting to catch flack you're telling every you're telling all your secrets mm-hmm. and now these people are going to be copying what you do absolutely and guess what because one thing that they're going to learn is maybe let's not go out and just do whatever and run everything out of here. So maybe you can come along after them and still call a bull in. Right. Because they didn't blow it as much. or they. Right. So I, a hundred, I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. And, and honestly, like the tag allocations, the percentages haven't changed up until recently where Wyoming residents got more. But the allocations have been the same and they're filling those tags. It's not like they don't have people. Right. Yeah. buying tags so we're just educating we always our our mindset our mission statement is to help hunters become better hunters uh through not only our experience but other people's experience so that they can take that trophy of a lifetime that's all it is yeah my, my hat's really off man I, I mean i knew that having you on today was going to be inter- interesting 
I, I was really, I mean, we haven't spent a lot. We've seen each other yeah. trade shows and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I guess these guys know how our, ours is family. Mm-hmm. Our race hunting is all about family. And so it means so much to me, the history, the richness. I love the stuff that comes from way back. And to hear you talking about what, has how hunting has changed and what you've seen and what you yeah. guys have actually guided what your grandfather started and your dad continued and now you are um man if if there's not if there's people out there that have not reached out to Eastman's hunting journal or looked at the MRS you need to be doing so especially if you Well I think we should just we so one of the um people on the reviews asked a question that was basically what was what would be some of the very first advice that you give somebody to go out of state hunting and I said, let's hold that because I bet Ike can answer that. Yep. I mean, we could answer it too, but you could definitely do a better job than we could. So if you just give like somebody like two or three tips for the very first things that they're going to go on an out-of-state hunt, what would you tell them? Knowledge is power. And knowledge, never in history has knowledge been easier to access. That's true. There's for YouTube. Sure. There's books. There's online courses. We there's have a, Google there's, for, yeah. for you, for these guys. We yeah. give them a little shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... There's dead. We do. We Way do. To punt. <laughs> I have to live. You've never this. heard home row. <laughs> home bro. Is that a, yeah, is yeah, that a beer? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. it's right there on your screen. <laughs> so, so yeah, knowledge is power. We we, you know, we're just one source. There's a tons tons of sources, but number one, because there's so much out there, be careful where you're getting it. Yeah. Sometimes it's not great, but knowledge is power. Number one. Number two, um, do a ton of research online, like get on OnX and go look at some areas and actually turn that 3D, turn on that exaggerated 3D so you actually see it. Because I, I, I can't be alone in showing up at a trailhead after doing a ton of digital research on OnX, look up on the mountain go, this it didn't look that big. Yeah, it didn't look yeah. that steep. <laughs> I'm afraid that... Uh, Nick and I are about to yeah. counter that. <laughs> I looked at the topo again and I was like, shit, those lines are steep. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you when we were talking about 49 earlier, but it, it's that's a that's going to be a chore. That's going to yeah. be fun. I told you, you better be ready to hoof it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. So so those two I'm, things. The great thing about me is I'm stupid enough to do anything. So <laughs> I mean, you can admit it. <laughs> stupid yeah. enough to feel pain. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and come back again the next day. Yeah, yep. exactly. You know? it's, it's, that's right. So those two things, do a lot of uh, digital research. Um, do a lot of research on whatever species you're going to find. Um, do a ton of stuff on gear. I'm telling you. The difference between a successful hunt and a non-successful hunt, I can almost 90% of the time roll it to gear because the more comfortable you are out there, the longer you're going to stay out there, which increases your chances of being successful. Yeah. Those three things. Um, The last one is (laughs) take an an emergency device. If you're out of cell service, take a, a Zolio or a... Uh, in reach device so that you can you can contact home which then gives you the opportunity to stay longer because you're okay with that and they're okay that you're not dead right it's a level of comfort um the other the other thing is take the time understand that if you're elk hunting there is zero reason to come scouting elk the only reason i would come scouting elk is if i didn't know the area i just wanted to learn the area because elk change and they move. They can move five miles in a day and not be there 
or be there and you don't know um deer do do scouting because they don't move much unless there's a change like when they lose their their velvet they change our high country mule deer when they lose their velvet they go nocturnal and you never see them again it's really hard our iowa whitetails i mean it's hilarious to watch it like this week Will be a change, yeah. Because oh, I already so- had it yep. before. Like I, I have not had a buck all summer hardly, and I had six, six or seven in the one picture I showed you yep. just in a week of them getting close to moving back to where they, are where they're be. used to. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and, I mean, some there are some things that people can apply that they may have learned on the East Coast or Midwest or oh, whatever, yeah. and apply it to the West. I think it's, I think it's awesome that you bring up the elk specifically, and how far they'll go. Um, because we've seen that not only seen them move com- like completely, but I've seen them go to food five miles away yeah. and come back. And and they water every day. Absolutely. And they'll go three to five miles for water. Uh, yep. But they have to water. That's the right. beauty of an elk. It's like a horse. They can't not water a day. A deer can go two or three days. But, yeah. That's Hopefully that answers the question. Right it is. That's they drink huge. a lot at night? No. Usually, usually they'll drink, well, in the evening. Yeah, because it's hot all day, and right. they're laying underneath the, the shade, and they're so. If you think about their digestive, they eat in the morning, and then they lay lay down and they chew their cud. When they chew their cud, it takes a lot of moisture, and so when they stand up in that e- that evening time, they're thirsty. They got to yeah. fill that belly back up with water so that at night, as they're feeding at night, they're digesting. Interesting. Yep. And they'll drink. That's a lot all about of water. knowing the animal you're hunting. Yep. Yeah. Being an outdoorsman. What it is. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. I, but I think it, the other part that you mentioned, though, is like it's right at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, back when we were growing up, and I, and I don't know how old you are. I'm 55. I'm 46. Okay, so 10 years apart. But my my point is is that the VHS tapes were how you learned stuff. Um, everything Outdoor else, life and field and stream, and you just hoped it was good. Yeah, and or a gazetteer. Yeah. Was, <laughs> you buy a gazetteer <laughs> for the state, and then you'd go, and then you guys probably don't even know what I'm talking about. It That was the list of maps so basically it was on x in paper yeah and a plot map but no it was in it was in a book and you had to figure out is that a crick right it looks like a draw to me but i think i'm sitting on that crick it was well on x changed in my opinion they changed hunting oh uh, immensely but no because what you're thinking of easton was then i would take the gazetteer they definitely did because i remember and go get topo maps yeah you would buy that topo map and so i had the box of maps well i remember as kids the game fish yeah that's what i was gonna say is that's why i think onyx made such huge changes every year we would go to the fish and game parks rec whatever in in gray falls and dad would get all the new maps you know, and then he'd be sitting look, looking at all those maps. That was actually a lot of fun. We got to play on those dial things. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that the, roll, the roll in the big map. The roll yeah. in the big map. Yeah. It'd be a huge map. <laughs> we could see everything. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, look, there's a 3D mountain range. That's cool. Yeah. Looking back now, Tomorrow we're, we're going to climb it. That fast. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we weren't paying attention to the map, just how fast the thing spun. No, we'd look at it once through, and then after that, how fast can we get through the whole state? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, every I, day, huh? I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it never changes either. It's the same. Oh, he's I, lucky to have us around. Yeah, but I'd be so. This podcast would be so boring if it was just dad. Yeah, I, mean, I it, would agree. You, you'd probably have a four point four stars. All right. Or people, you'd be nice and they give you five, but you only have like fifteen of them. Well, I have some because you don't even know how to tell them to do the review part. I have some hunting questions we wanted to Shopify. get to, but I don't want to run <laughs> us into the ground. I, I mean. Go listen to Shopify. Here's the one thing that I'm going to ask right now before we go any farther, and that is that at some point we do this again. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking of 10 different ways we could go with this podcast in order to be able to get it all in. I want to know how long it took for this being a generational thing, how long it took for your dad, your grandpa, to be able to say, hey, go ahead. What? What are you laughing at? Um, so that's a great question, honestly. It um, is a good question. Uh, because I've been there. I get it. I know where you come from. So here's here's what happened. My dad never started this thinking he was going to be wealthy. He w- If he was sitting here, which he would never do that because <laughs> this would this is not his. He'd be fishing. But <laughs> uh, if he was sitting here, he'd say, I never started this thinking that I wanted to be famous or that I wanted to continue on a generational thing. He goes, the only reason I did is because I had no other way to make a living. He goes, that's it. So he always thought, okay, I he, when I was in high school, I remember him and my mom talking at dinner, and he, he would look at her and go, am I going to be 80 doing this? I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be tradesmen around the hills with a backpack on at 80. I don't I have no interest in that. And so what, what for me, it was easy. It was more about trying to keep him somewhat involved in it because he was, a, he was a, just an unbelievable amount of knowledge, not just hunting, but you know, the history of the business, the history of the industry, who is who. It always astonishes me when I walk around, to, you know, Dow Safari Club or Safari Club, which the, or the Sheep Show, the three that he does with us uh, now, who he knows. I mean, to be able to sit down and with Fred Bear and just sit down and have a conversation over a Coke, <laughs> I mean, that's who my dad was because my grandfather, right? And it still happens today. We'll be walking around and somebody will walk up. Hey, Mike, blah, blah, blah. And I'll go, who is that? And he goes, oh, he used to be the CEO of uh, Swarovski when they first came to the U.S. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was a game changer for the right. world. So it, it, my problem was keeping him involved because he always wanted to move to, like he did in 2008. He moved to the mountains. Moved, he moved within a stone's throw of the wilderness, the, the one of the largest wilderness in the lower 48 and disappeared for 16 years. My mom and him lived up there, 200 inches of snow, you know, 20 miles from a little town called Cook City, Montana. They lived in Wyoming, but it was, they disappeared. And he took, he's got millions of photos of bears and, and he's into, right now he's into red-lipped uh, uh, sap suckers, which is a bird. That's a thing? <laughs> it's a thing. And they're, they're really it's unique. not, not what I was like thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was going more along the lines of lot lizard. <laughs> so, so he, he, I struggled keeping him involved. Um, but he always liked to be, you know, hear about the industry, but he never really wanted to be involved in after he, after he sold it to me. But here's what I would say. Don't jump the gun. Cause there is a pile of knowledge that sits in that head that you can't ever replicate because times have changed. And he's done things and in the business and had things happen to him. He goes, well, uh, I got red flags about this. Let's sit back and discuss it. Because you've ever heard the old bull and the young bull story? Do you know what that is? From from Step Brothers, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that I a don't movie? Know what, yes. Oh, I don't know what with that Will is. Will Ferrell and <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. That, maybe Sorry. it's the same story. It I don't know be. if it is or not. I it's know which one you're talking about. It, but, about yeah. going down the hill. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. You're yeah. not gonna run down there. Let's walk down no, there and exactly. do the same thing. Maybe more of it. So just remember, there's a lot, a ton of knowledge. Now, my advice to him is, times change. And it happens fast, as you've seen. Unbelievably. And, and 
you know, there's three things in this podcast I picked up. And I'm like, Rikers, go uh, make a note of that. What What is that all about? Because I don't know what Step Brothers is. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> you just one, looked at me like I had four heads. That, <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's the one that was the most important. Yeah. <laughs> Will Farrell. <laughs> this dude is from Wyoming. He's still on the VHS. Yeah. Like, oh, there's my train. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, he's got to go bandito that station. one. <laughs> Put your mask on. All right, but before we Anyways. do, do you get done. Times do well, I don't change. Think he quick. was done. I don't. I, were you done or no? Yeah, I'm no, done. I'm unless, done. You had a, unless you have fall. It is an Christmas. interesting time though, right now, because it's still kind of a blend. It is. You know. It is. Uh, it is. You have the old and the new, and they're they're conversing quickly. And remember, even though things <laughs> change, the train keeps going down the tracks. That is a great reference. At the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there'll always be relevance for the older information at the same time. Like I think the something that. Um, I think everything's more accessible now, like yeah. you said. But so everybody can go start a YouTube channel. Yep. However, there's not many people that have near the near the knowledge, the relevance, or the trust that say Eastman's is built. Yeah. Even ourselves, yep. a lot of our audience knows that we're gonna we will present you with our opinions. We're not gonna um, and a lot and. All of our opinions have come from experience, but we're not just going to go tell you to do something just to try it. Where a lot of people, there's no way to really even be able to ever authenticate that and know, has this dude ever even killed an elk? And he's telling me how to go and kill elk. Yep. Has he ever killed an elk on public? Has he ever, does he know how to go on out? Is this guy that's telling me how to make all this money to go on these outfitted hunts, has he ever made a freaking dollar? You know, there's, it's a lot harder as much as there is way more information. It's also a lot more difficult to filter through it now. That's right. I think one of the things that comes to mind when Warren, when you're saying that is that I guess when I think of me teaching someone or trying to help someone, it always comes back to telling them more about a mistake I made. Yeah. Not, not, not about the successes, you know, it's. You don't learn from success. You learn from failure. It's, it's, yeah, I hunted public land and I did it this way. And man, I just kept screwing up, kept screwing up. Then all of a sudden I realized this and, and, but you know what? I still did it the other way again, you know, and then people, I, I think they, I think they appreciate it. I know I do. I know when someone will be vulnerable enough to tell me. I made a mistake because yeah. that's the bad thing about TV. Not necessarily is it bad, but you try to explain to someone we're on TV for 22 minutes out of a 30 minute episode. And there's it, about 17 hours worth of footage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't all happen in 22 minutes and right. it looks like it did. And it looks like every time you go out, you're successful. And we try to explain that <laughs> to people, but I want to ask, there's gotta be one and there's probably a hundred and I, this is going to like make you have to think. But if there is one hunting story, something that stands out, that whether it's years ago, whether it's now, I just think that our listeners would love to hear. Does it have to be my hunting story? No. (laughs) Take it. Uh, Let's see. One hunting story that stands out. Um, I have a bunch of really long hunting stories. So one thing I got from my grandfather is I'm kind of an adventurist. The, the, The actual killing of the animal is that's the culmination of it. That's the reason we're there uh, or that's the end of why we were there. But I'm really there from point A to that. I love that part of the adventure. The adventure to me is all about it. Right. That's why I like doing what we're doing now. 
we came down here to have an adventure. We don't know if the fishing is going to be good tomorrow. So all of my most memorable hunts are adventures. I would say that my brother shooting that sheep on that mountain is in the top five for sure. It's got to I mean, be. it's got, it was, it was, we had hunted for four days before that and walked our little butts off up you know, 3,000 foot verticals, side hilling. It was the camera guys that we took were, um, of course, you know, I, I warned that sponsor. I said, this, this is pretty extreme. You you can't send us with, you know, Joe Bob. It's got to be people that are used to backpacking. And this guy's like, oh, no, I'm, I've, I've done, uh, I've filmed two documentaries on Everest and a documentary here and there. I was like, all right. And <laughs> halfway through the second day, he throws his backpack on the ground. He goes, this is bullshit. He goes, when I go backpacking, I'm on a trail. It's relatively flat side to side. What are we doing? Of course, we've been side hilling around this mountain oh, yeah. to the top for two days. Right. It's side hilling. If you've never done it, it's hard. It is hard on your leg or your ankles. It's hard on your knees. It's hard. It's just hard because nothing's level, nothing's flat. And he was over it. And then he almost quit on us the day that we shot the sheep because we were going, we, we were traversing up through this rock slide. He was last trying to film us go through this cut and I hit a rock and it created a rock slide and he had to bail off, you know, like jump three feet behind this cliff and the rocks all went down below him. And yeah, he threw a fit over that too. It's a tough guy. He just, that's just not his, he was like, this is He was stupid. out of his element. Yeah, this yeah. is stupid. Why would you ever do this? Well, because the end result was that unbelievable. So that was, probably, <laughs> that's in my top five. Um Mongolia, I went to Mongolia and shot an Ibex. That was unbelievable. The adventure, we, we uh, spent three days in, in Beijing, China, uh, touring, you know, uh, Tiananmen Square and, and Mao's tomb and the, the castle, or the, the uh, um, oh, all the stuff. We went to the Great Wall of China and stuff. Right. I don't know if we'll ever be able to do that again. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's unbelievable. That was an unbelievable uh, adventure. Um, but honestly... And, and you'll get this. My top hunt, and I would, I, I know before, before this happened, I look at guys and go, yeah, you had to say that. My top hunt was taking my 12-year-old daughter this year, first hunt, and we did a, a, a deer hunt. And she, we, it was supposed to be this easy, freaking, you know, bunted over the wall hunt we have a lease that we use for for a waterfowl, and we were just going to shoot one of these dumb bucks that were in the cornfield. It was going to be easy. We spent nine days, nine <laughs> days trying to find. We spent six of those days trying to find a buck. Yeah. And then we spent three more days because the buck season closed. And it was just does. Three more days trying to find a doe. During bucks, we found does. During the buck or the doe season, we found bucks. It's like, oh my gosh! It's like the management, the game management does this on purpose. She spent, you know, it was nine below zero, and every morning before basketball practice, we would sit under the tree. It was nine below zero, sit there for an hour and a half, and every evening, if she didn't have, you know, she had morning practice in the evenings, we would we'd sit, and, and it was just, she's so tough. And just to watch my legacy, not, you know, I have a family legacy, but that's, that's my legacy, is my right. daughter learning how to hunt. And she shot her doe. She missed her twice and then got mad, and it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> when she got angry, that doe had no chance. <laughs> and uh, shot the doe and, and you know, gutted it, and, and we processed it in the whole nine yards. And, eat, you know, it's gone now. This was almost 12 months ago. And just the whole process and watch that, 
that's your legacy and that's what you get to pass on to the next generation and they get to pass on to their generation and you've actually done something that is down the road going to pay dividends. Oh my god, That gosh. is awesome. That is so cool. Hopefully yeah, that I'm wasn't impressed. too corny, but I honestly thought no before that, I thought, ah, guys always say that and I'm not sure I agree. I'm impressed that she stuck with it that long. Being it, that. And you know what? I There was multiple times I said, all right, Especially Charlie. At 12. Yeah, 12. Yeah. You're probably get cold pretty easy. She's going to basketball practice in the morning, then school, then probably a game in yep. the evenings and then still fitting it in. Oh, yep. and it, yeah, there was times I was like, Charlie, it's nine below zero. I don't, I don't think we're going to go. She goes, dad, if I'm going to kill something, we got to put the time into it. I'm like, oh, I should have never told you that. Because <laughs> I don't want to sit out there. You know? That's awesome. That, but, man, I can just, I mean, and again, these guys, and I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying you won't know until you have your own. And It, it, it is it, different. It is, it's, you can't explain it. You can hunt with your wife. Mm-hmm. You can hunt with friends. You can hunt with a brother. Yep. You can hunt with a, another family member. But when it's your kid, yeah, hundred percent. It, it's just there's just something different. It it is it is. I am convinced we are put on this planet to have children, because without it, you're a selfish, overbearing, egotistical maniac. Amen, brother. With it, <laughs> they are. <laughs> For now, yeah, until yeah, they, they have their yeah, own. Until they have their own. When you're dad, you're just delusional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think. I I don't know how I mean I was hoping this would go well. It's I thought the my, only way they bonded was freaking dad jokes. Oh, I got a couple. Yeah, yeah I, I got, got a couple too. Start. <laughs> we'll cut the cameras for that. Well, I just wanted to thank. I want to thank you. What's your best like, one? Oh I got my here. gosh! <laughs> my best dad joke. Yes, Warren can top it with three words in one of his jokes. No, uh, my goldfish. We just told. Do you, do, <laughs> that's not the answer. Let him, he's trying to tell his joke. Do, he's thinking. He's no, no, no. I'm trying just to tell like which one his browser. This, so can I, do, can I tell a series? <laughs> sure. Okay. So you know what you call uh, a, a cow elk with three legs? Eileen. <laughs> lean, lean beef. <laughs> or lean, lean meat. Okay. Lean meat. They are all the same. They, they, are. they freaking are. It's close. I so, lean. Okay. Hold on. Let, so let one, one leg? One leg? Yeah. Irene. Steak. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. There's my series. Two? It was two of them? Yeah. It's not a series. That's like a, a two. That's a duo. That's, yeah. What? I, I it was a perfect series in my opinion. So just saying. No, that's awesome. Well, I want to thank you guys for listening in today. I, I, I really want to thank Ike. Um, it's been more fun than I thought it could be. And, but, so but you I, think yeah, thought Ike was going to be boring? Were, no, <laughs> not at all. I expected it to be my good. Re- but my reputation <laughs> precedes me. <laughs> but, the, but I want it on air that, you, that we're going to do this again. Yeah, you, know, you already that, said it on air. You already uh, committed. Well, yep. good deal. Um, you guys, like he's g- not boring. We can do another one with him. <laughs> <laughs> but tomorrow, I just want to beat the crap out of these guys catching oh, fish. Oh, that'll be easy. You that'll don't even easy. know how to cast a fly that, that, rod. And that's what I want to go out there as the guy that oh, knows my nothing. Shoulder. And, and it's the other shoulder, so I won't use that as an excuse. <laughs> yeah, it'll be You've easy because, because you have you have old man, uh, you have old man style. And you have old man grace. You mean that's and a fly lack fishing, of style. Fly fishing is all about 
uh, presentation. Agree. There you go. Yep. Grace. Right. I think I've got he that. Not They're going to just flog the water. The water <laughs> is going to be beat to death tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We sure appreciate you. This is the Raised Hunting Podcast. Checking out, unless the only thing, and I don't even believe that I'm getting ready to say this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on, you, Warren. I haven't looked at anything Warren, yet. No. Warren does a wacky fact. That's how we kind of People request fact. it. You can't oh, research it now. It. You're going to have to give them two for the next. All right. All right. So we're Although people do message in now and have said that Warren has forgot it on a couple. FYI. C. Which I think is stupid as crap, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll ca- we promise two wacky facts from Warren on the next podcast. So, all right, guys, we sure appreciate you, and we are out. Raised Hunting is out of here. Thank you, guys. Ike. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, it. buddy. Yeah, appreciate thank it, Thank you, man. guys, very much. I'll shake your hand, too, I guess. I was going to do it after. But <laughs> <laughs>